How many of you, there are, there are things that, that you just, you, you just don't get sick of? There, there are things that I just don't get tired of. Like, let me give you some, you know, I want to give you some really, like, spiritual answers here of things that you just never get tired of. Like, I never get tired of pepperoni pizza. I just don't, I just don't get tired of, of pepperoni. Can I get an amen out there? I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't get tired of, of watching the Buffalo Bills score touchdowns. And I, I'm really hoping they score a lot today. Sorry, I know there's a lot of Pittsburgh fans out there, but uh, we're hoping that Buffalo scores a lot of touchdowns. I, I never get sick of uh, my wife saying I love you. I never get I never get tired of that. I never get tired of my my kids saying uh, I love you. I never I never get I never get tired of it. even though my kids are older. It was kind of in our family. We just we always do that, you know. And it, I love I love I love hearing um, I love you. I love getting hugs. You never get tired of that. I I, I just don't get tired of this time of the year. I love this time of the year. How many of you, you just love Christmas time? I just, you know, every, as we, you know, it is, you know, as we study the birth of Christ, it's just the traditions, right? I love the, the carols and, you know, looking at the Christmas lights and, and the traditions that you might have with your, with your own family. We started a tradition some years ago. We used to have an artificial tree and then we started doing the hey let's go out and cut the tree down after thanksgiving so you know i've got i've got i've got two pretty good sized boys you know they're six two uh burly big boys so i take them out into the woods and out to the tree farm to, to cut down the tree and, and guess who ends up cutting down the tree every year <laughs> me i cut down the tree i was going to say kathleen but uh you know uh i they they're, they're great watchers you know, they, they watch me, you know, but it's, uh, oh, dad, I didn't wear the right jacket. I don't want to get dirty, you know. So, you know, I get down there and, and I saw it down, but it's just these great traditions. And I love as we, uh, as we're into this, uh, season, I love studying the word of God and, and, and understanding, uh, why we're doing all this, uh, celebration. And we're looking into the gospel of Luke. And what I love about, um, Luke is, is Luke was, he was a follower of Jesus Christ, but until after his resurrection. He's a Gentile, he's not, he's not Jewish. Luke was a physician, and he knew the Greek language very, very well, and it's seen in the way he writes. He was actually a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, uh, very close with him. And what he does for us in his gospel is, is, is give us a very detailed account um, of the life of Christ. And what I enjoy about reading the, the gospel of, of Luke and, and his account uh, of the birth of Christ and the eyewitnesses that, that he interviewed for this is the details that he gives us that we can kind of, I think, breeze through if we're not careful. And I believe God places these details in his word for us to study and for us to know. And I think we can just breeze through the details of, okay, Jesus was born, he was placed in a manger, and yada, 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 and we go on to the next thing. But I want you to see the details of how the message was brought to the world. And what I want to dig into today is why the gospel message is imperative in our lives every single day. Why that gospel message in this news that the angel, as we're going to discover in just a moment, to the angels, it, it was this preparation for us to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord. And what I want to look at today is that the gospel message or the good news of the Savior coming 
is something that we need to speak to ourselves every single day. That God desires for us to actually live this gospel-centered life. And if, if you can embrace this message and embrace the gospel message and allow it to be central in your life, it will literally change the way you live every single day. And I want you to realize that this message was, was preparation for us to prepare our hearts for this Messiah to come. And we see hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus even came to earth, as the prophets spoke of this Messiah that would come. And so what I want to do for you this morning is I want to look at uh, an absolutely wonderful passage from the prophet Isaiah speaking some 700 years before Jesus stepped foot on this earth and how this message that he gives to Israel was in preparation to prepare their hearts that good news is coming. What keeps our hearts hopeful? It's good news. It's preparing our hearts. You know, when you're waiting for your child to be born, you know, it's like there's this preparation, you're excited and and you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and nine months and you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you're like, is this ever going to happen? And then it happens and there's this birth announcement like, they're born, you know, and everybody's excited. The gospel message, what it does is it prepares our hearts for the greatest message that the world has ever heard. And it's the message of a savior. And this message will help you to traverse through all the ups and downs that this life gives us. And unless the gospel message is anchored into your soul, we will allow the situations and the circumstances in our lives dictate our feelings and our happiness and our joy if we're, not, if we're not careful. And God says, listen, I want the gospel message to be so anchored in your heart, that message of good news that no matter what may happen in your life, you will have this hope that one day we are going to be completely redeemed. Where there's nothing in this world, the hurts, the pains, the sicknesses, the cancers, all that stuff will no longer be there. That's the ultimate hope that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. So I want to look at how um, God prepared the hearts of some people that you would never expect that God would first reach out to, to hear the gospel message. And we can read that um, in Luke chapter 2. So I'm going to look at that. You've got your Bibles. You can turn there or look at the screens. We're going to look at the... We're going to look at uh, the gospel message given to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Very familiar passage, but I want to really focus on the gospel message here and how it was presented to the shepherds some 2,000 years ago. And here's what Luke records for us through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he said, in that same region where Jesus was born, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear at first. And then the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news. There, there's, that's gospel. I bring you the gospel. I bring you good news. Glad tidings of great joy that will be for some people. 
No, what does it say there? It's for all, all people, you and I including. This is for everyone. No one's going to be locked out of this, this message. For unto you, born this day in the, city, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, and you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen to God's word. I want to dig into this, and I want to look at the shepherds here, because what's interesting in Luke's account here is that he even mentions the shepherds, that the message that first went out of declaring the birth of the Savior went out to these shepherds. And why did God choose to announce the birth of the Savior to shepherds? Now, this is important for us to understand because you can just read over this and say, okay, what's the big deal? He, he gave this announcement to shepherds. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what, what we need to understand, that God comes for those who are actually far off. That, that's actually the message here. That God came for the least likely. And, and, I, and I want to dig into this just a little deeper for you and I to understand that God didn't come for people who thought they were godly. God didn't come for self-righteousness. God didn't come for religious people who thought they had it all together. God came for those who are far off. And what makes us far off from God? Every single one of us in this place have a common denominator, and that's sin. That's what makes us far off. Jesus came to rescue sinners, which every single one of us in this place is sinners. We're sinners. Amen? I know that's a hard word, but we are. That's what makes us far off. And and the shepherds display this. And here's where I want to dig into this, because the occupation of a shepherd was really considered one of the lowest of the lowest jobs. It was a very difficult job, and you were basically separated from society. And so the shepherds, they they were considered untrustworthy. They had a reputation of taking things as they moved throughout the countryside. So they just, the shepherds didn't have a really good rep. They didn't have a good good reputation. And, And because of their occupation, they were actually considered unclean when it came to religious activities. So because of what they did, they were kind of shut out of religious activity. So they're kind of these guys that are far away from society. No one really pays any attention to them. Uh, They've got this lowly job that not a lot of people want to do. No one reached out to shepherds. No one went out of their way to look for uh, shepherds. They They were outcasts. They were not part of the religious community because of their job. But this is what I want you to see behind the scenes and why it relates to you and I, why we relate much more closely uh, to the shepherds than we we do to good people that we think, oh, have all this status and have a better place in society. See, because that's exactly who Jesus came for. Those who were far off, he didn't come for the religious elite and those that thought they had it all together. He came for those that were separated. And sin separates us from a holy God. And that's the good news. The the good news can't be good news unless it goes to dark places. The the good news can't be good news unless unless I realize I need to embrace that 
good news and recognize that my life is far from God and it needs to be reconciled. Then it becomes good news. And so what God does is God went to the shepherds who were far out in the field and what does he do? He, he called them to come near. He said, listen, I know you're far out. I know you're, you're kind of ostracized from society, from religion. You're, you're the outcast. No one wants to go to you, but I'm going to call you to come to me. This is amazing. That's why the shepherds were fearful because when an angel showed up in the middle of the night, normally it was not good news. That's why they were fearful. They're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Are we going to lose our lives? And I think for many of us, if we sh- we're out in a dark place or out in the darkness at night, and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord, I don't, I don't know what your first response was. I don't know if it'd be like, whoa, this is cool, or like you'd be running under a bush. I, I don't know what our first response would be there. But theirs was, they were terrified. They were fearful. And right away, they relieve their fears to say, no, this is good news. We've got a message for you. And so God goes to these shepherds and he, and he calls them to come near. And so what God does is he comes to us and says, I want you to draw near to me. Let me change your life. See, what, what separates Christianity and a faith in Christ Jesus from every other world religion is this. Every other world religion tells you, you to do something. It, it tells you, you've got to do this A, B, and C. You've got to jump through this hoops in order to hopefully come near to the God or this God. And what does God do? He comes down through his incarnation and chooses to live among us goes from heaven to earth to live amongst our messiness. God says, you can draw near to me. I'm going to make a way for you to draw near for me that you can't do in your own strength. It's this illustration of having a ladder. Everybody else is trying to climb up that ladder to see if they can get close to God through their works and their goodness. And God said, there is no ladder tall enough that you could ever reach me. I am perfect, I am holy, and you are not. Your, your works, even your good works, I consider as filth in comparison to a holy God. But what God does for us is he actually comes down the ladder to meet us where we're at. I would say that's a good savior. That's why I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because it makes sense. It just does. Philosophically, it just makes sense to me. But God changes our hearts, he changes our lives, and he comes to us. So what's the word that the angel brings? I I love this. The the angel says, you know, listen, do not be afraid. Do not fear. In fact, the opposite is true in the hearts of of the shepherd. They're fearful, but they say, we have joy for you. And and fear is just a horrible thing. Uh, Fear of of the future, and um, there may be some of you that you just... You, you struggle just with, with fear at times. You, you, you struggle with, um, how is this going to work out? But I, I want you to realize what God does for us. He does something amazing for us. That he appears to this first group of people 
the first announcement of the Savior to the world is to the most unlikely people. It just is. And so what he says, he says, listen, I'm going to come to these most unlikely people because I want you to be able to relate to this. I want you to realize that I want to relate to you. I'm not asking you to do all these things to try to approach my holiness, but I'm going to come right to you to meet you right where you are and all your dysfunctions and messiness, and I'm going to come right to where you are. And, and this is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't care you know, whether you were raised in church or not. Um, if you were, that's a blessing, but that's not a requirement. And, and I think sometimes we have this idea that I, when I come to church that I've got to jump through these hoops. I've, I've got to wear a certain type of clothing or I've got to do this or I, I'm not, you know, I'm not like those, I'm not like those Christians, right? I wasn't raised that way. Um, you know what? If you begin to ask a lot of people in our church, they weren't raised in a church. They don't have any kind of church background. They've, they've come to the realization, and many of you have come to the realization of who Jesus is and what he can do for your life, and he changed your life. It wasn't because of a religion, it was because of your relationship with Jesus Christ that radically transformed your heart and your life. And you found forgiveness in Christ Jesus. That's what I love about the church. That's what I love about Jesus. He's not asking us to do all these pre-things in order to, to get to him. He doesn't hold your past against you or the mistakes that you have made. He came to forgive you and to bring, bring you new life. And, and so here these, here these shepherds are in the middle of the field. It's dark. The angel appears to them. They're, they're terrified. They're, they're thinking the worst. And then the angel brings them, them good news. See, God comes to us, and what he actually does is he replaces our fear with faith. And so when you look at your future, yeah, we may not know what will happen tomorrow or next week. And maybe some of you, you really you struggle with um, anxiety and um, knowing what might happen tomorrow. I mean, I think we all in some way struggle with that, don't we? We just struggle with, you know, how is this going to work out? And, and, but here's what, what Jesus does. He calms our fears. And he, and, and he gives us faith to place it in him. We, we may not know what will happen tomorrow, but we, we can come to this understanding that we know that God is in control of tomorrow, that we can trust him. And, and that's, what, that's what can give us a peace to traverse through the uncertainty of the things that we see in our, in our world. And, and I guarantee there will be something in your life that will knock you for a loop. The, the, every single one of us will go through something that we just don't understand. And what it will do, it will reveal the foundation that we're standing on. It will reveal what we're truly trusting. And that's why Jesus says, I want to replace that fear and the, the fear of the unknown with me, with the certainty that I've overcome the world for you. That, yes, in this world, Jesus said, there is going to be tribulation, there's going to be heartache, but take heart, I've overcome the world and I want to give you peace. And so he replaces that fear with himself to give us faith, knowing that God is in control. That's a wonderful thing. You can't buy that. There's no book that's going to give you a one, two, three step and, and, and how to have more peace. When you're at peace with God, that's your anchor to live through the uncertainties of this world. 
And I love hearing stories about people that traverse through difficult circumstances in their lives and things uh, in their life that, um, that have happened to them and it's beyond their, their control and they've learned to trust God. And I love hearing those stories of how God helps people through those difficult times. So what the angel does is the angel says, listen, I have good news for you. And, and, and this word is the word gospel. And, and, and we want to be gospel-centered. We want to be a gospel-centered church. As followers of Jesus, we want our, our lives to be grounded in the gospel message. And, and, and being gospel-centered keeps us from going off track and missing what's most, in, what's most important to God. So what does this gospel message mean? Well, the gospel message means good news or good message. This is, this is a good thing. I bring you good news. I bring you a good message. And, and, and this gospel is... is is really grounded for us in the Old Testament. And this is what I want to look at today. I want, to, I, I want to look at the Old Testament because it gives us an excellent example of the meaning of the word gospel. And so um, let me give you a, a picture here of this good news that was presented from the angel of glad tidings to the shepherd. Let me, let me give you the foundation for this um, in the Hebrew Scriptures. In the ancient uh, days, news of a battle, whether it was won or lost, was done through a messenger. And people would wait on pins and needles, um, waiting for the news of the outcome of this battle. This is where this word gospel is grounded in, in Hebrew scriptures. And when there was an outcome, there was actually a marathon runner who would run back and give the people the news, whether it was good news or whether it was bad news. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. They would know the news before the runner would actually reach them with the news. Now, this is interesting. You're saying, well, how do they know the news? Because, you know, they didn't have texting back then, you know, they didn't have iPhones. They didn't have telephones. How, you know, they didn't have Morse code. How would they know the news unless someone spoke the news to them? This is, this is interesting. We get this from Isaiah. And this is the reason Isaiah the prophet, some 700 years earlier, wrote what he did when he said in Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings what? Good news. The gospel. He says, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Now, this news was a news that was going to tell them, hey, this is good news. Isaiah is preparing them. Hey, Israel, even though you've gone through this, you've, you've backslidden, you've turned away from God. God has good news. There's salvation that God is going to bring. He's going to prepare your hearts for this good news. Now, now, going back to the marathon runner, here's how they would know the news before the news actually reached them with the news that the news that the marathon runner was going to bring them. So here's how they knew. There would be a watchman in a watchtower. And he was trained to watch this runner coming from far away. He could see the runner coming back from battle. And so you've got this, you've got, you've got this 
watchmen watching up in the tower, trained to watch far away to see what the news was. They knew that that marathon runner was going to come. They knew the news was going to come. Now, how did they know whether it was good news or bad news? Well, the watchman was trained to know whether it was good news or, or bad news by the way the dust was coming up from the runner. So here's, here's what they would do. If the runner was flying and just running fast, that dust would be way up in the air. And that trained watchman would say, it's good news. And he would tell the people, I see him coming. How beautiful are the feet as they watch that are coming over. It's, what Isaiah wants you to get is this. It's, it's a runner leaping. Like, there's just a great word picture here of a runner leaping over the mountains. Traversing over all the trials to say, I've got good news. I've got good news. I've got good news. How beautiful are the feet of the mountains of those that bring good news. If the runner was running fast, the dust would be flying up. It meant good news. If the runner was lethargic and there was no dust, not good news. See, I want you to understand this verse. This verse is all about expectation. This jubilant expectation that peace will come and restoration will come. See, what God wants us to do is, is, is God wants us to look to the mountains. God wants us to look to say, listen, I'm bringing you good news. My word brings you that news. The coming of my son, we're preparing our heart during this Advent season because we're celebrating the birth of Christ. We're preparing our hearts for the Savior. And what, and what the picture that God wants us to see is to look to the mountains and say, listen, here the good news is coming. Yeah, you may be going through this struggle and this hardship here on earth, but there's good news. I've come to restore. I've come to bring you peace. Is your heart ready? Does your heart receive that? See, this is where I think we can lose our way in our life is when we stop loving the gospel message. And that's where we lose our way because if you look into the world for five minutes, guess what? You're going to get a lot of bad news. And it can get disheartening for us very quickly. See, when it comes to the New Testament, we can understand the gospel in a couple of ways. We have the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all share about the person of Jesus and his teachings and what he did on earth. The gospel books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they share the words of Jesus and how we can come into God's kingdom and how we are to live in that kingdom. The good news is that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of heaven was here. He says, I want you to be part of this. Will you come into this kingdom? Will you walk with me? See, at the heart of the gospel message is Jesus came for sinners to bring forgiveness for those who repent. That's at the heart of the gospel message. And to be gospel-centered is to never forget that we are sinners saved by grace. And the grace God offers us through his son is not earned or it's not deserved. So here's what it means to be gospel-centered and always be looking to that message. 
Always, always allowing that message to be anchored in our hearts and our lives. To be gospel-centered means to live out in humble submission to Jesus and the forgiveness that was freely given to us should freely be given by us. See, the, when I bec- the more gospel-centered I become, the more I realize that I'm a sinner that's in need of God's grace every single day. And as that grace flows into that message of grace and healing flows into my life, it cannot stop there. I can't bottle it up. Because if it's truly grace, it's going to start with me and it's going to flow out of me. And that's why I'm able to offer forgiveness. There's no way I can offer forgiveness in my own strength. Because if I did that, then I would say, well, this person deserves it, but this person doesn't deserve it. And we would categorize everybody and say, yeah, not so bad and really bad. So I'm going to hold my forgiveness for this person and that. Is that, the, is that what Jesus did for us? Mm-mm. He came to forgive us, all of us. And for those that come in humble submission to the Lord, they receive this grace. That's the good news, that I don't deserve it or earn it. Yet through God's love, he gives us something we don't deserve. And so if I understand that message of forgiveness and hope and peace, it it shouldn't stop with me, but it should flow out as I forgive other people, even those that don't forgive it. That doesn't mean it lets anybody off the hook. How many know we all have to stand accountable before God? It doesn't let anybody off the hook. But what it does is it frees me from living in that prison of unforgiveness. God wants to set us free. So it should be given to us and it should be freely given by us. And so those living gospel-centered lives that constantly prepare their hearts to hear the message of Christ and his message of forgiveness, that that's the anchor of our life, um, we will be people that will continually be living in the grace that God offers us. I love this quote by by Dane Orthland. He says, um, we will be broken, messy sinners until Jesus comes again and gives us final cleansing. Listen, the good news is that there's going to be this final place that God completely renews and restores us, that we don't have to battle with sin and disease and all this other stuff, that we will be like him. That's the good news, that God will walk through us through our inconsistencies. Have you ever been just inconsistent in your life? Have you ever been hypocritical about things? You, you, you said one thing, but um, you really didn't maybe truly live it out in your life. Amen. There's not going to be those inconsistencies anymore in our life. We're not going to battle with sin and temptation. The good news that was brought to the shepherds is that it was for all people. The angel tells them that Jesus is Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I want you to know that Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's his title. The title Christ means anointed one. Jesus is the anointed Messiah. That's why he is worthy to be called King, Savior, and Lord. Jesus was God's deliverer for us. Jesus would deliver us from a death sentence. Jesus is Lord. He is God. He came to earth to restore a relationship that was broken by sin. And So God reaching out to the shepherds speaks volumes of who God is. That through Jesus, God brings his joy to us and he actually does everything for us. And so God tells us 
that he is the answer for our struggles and the longing to belong. God brings healing to the brokenness in our world. The good news is that you can find meaning even in this broken world. Because as we go through this broken world and things happen to us that are beyond our control that we can understand, I'm going to look to the mountains and see that the news is coming. It's there. That he's ultimately going to restore. That I don't have to worry or fret about my future. Because the future is good news. Jesus rose from the grave and Jesus is coming back, not as a baby, but as King of kings and Lord of lords to restore all the brokenness in our world. And so what what Jesus does is he brings meaning to my life. And so in this dark field 2,000 years ago, God goes to those that nobody cares about, no one was thinking about, to bring them near. That's the good news. God changed the shepherds by showing them his grace when the world would say they don't deserve it. And guess what? You and I don't deserve it either. That's how he loves us. That's how we're changed. So you are not alone. Jesus came to earth to bring you near. That's the good news. So here's, here's, here's what I want to do today is we, we're going we're gonna to sing a, a song talking about this good news as we close the service. But I, I want to instruct you today um, to ask God to allow this message of Jesus to be an anchor for your soul today. I, I think for some of us here today, maybe we're, we're going through this difficult thing in our life and, and maybe we've lost faith. Maybe fear has gripped your heart in some areas of your life. Um, maybe you've lost that passion of that gospel message and that good news. Maybe you, can, you can't say, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to the mountains, Pastor. I, I'm kind of looking at my feet. I'm looking at my circumstances. I want you to, to look to the mountains because that's where our help comes from, the psalmist says. I look up unto the hills and where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. That's the message. That's the good news. Look up. Look up. And so what God does, he invites the shepherds to the, I want you guys, you outcasts that no one cares about, and I want, I want to draw you near to the Savior so that your lives might be changed. And they went away changed. You cannot draw near to God and not be changed. See, some of us are just waiting back by osmosis. Like I tell people, you can't read your Bible by tucking it under your pillow and just hoping through osmosis that it's going to go into your, to your brain, right? Um, God says, I call. There's my message. Look up to the mountains. My message is there. Will you receive it? Will you draw near? And for those that come to me, I will no wise cast out. 
You bring me everything. You bring me everything. All your messy, nasty, dysfunctional crud, and you bring it to me. That's where my forgiveness comes. Amen? The good news is such good news for us today because we need it. We need that message in our lives, and that's what gives us hope. Amen? And that's why you should celebrate. So when you're driving in your car and the song Joy to the World comes on, right? I'm going to give you permission to act stupid for God, okay? I'm going to give you permission to say, all your my joy to the world, for the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. So sing with all your might. If somebody drives by and thinks you're crazy, well, then let them think you're crazy. Because you've got something to sing about. Because you know what that joy is all about. Receive him. Receive him. So Father God, as we bow our hearts before you today, I thank you for this message of hope that was spoken hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus came. And it was a message of good news. Jesus is all about good news. Jesus is all about joy, that he comes. Even in our darkness and our sin, he comes. He calls us to come near, that we might give that to him. Because that's why he came. He came to die. To give his life for us and to take our sin upon him. That that sin and guilt and condemnation would no longer hang over our head. That fear would no longer grip our hearts. Jesus has come to relieve that fear in us. That's the good news. And I pray that we would look up to the hills. That we would look to the mountains. And see how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. I pray that we would be a gospel-centered church, a gospel-centered people that would constantly recognize that we fall short of you and need, we need your grace every single day. And as we humble ourselves before you and as our hearts are anchored in the gospel message, God, it would be shown in the way we live our lives, the way we love people, the way we treat people. Lord, take away from our hearts anything that would be self-righteous, anything that would be condemning. Let us be saturated in your grace today. I thank you that the message went to shepherds because you showed us that you care about those who no one else seemed to care about. Those who seem too far away from you, that's why you came. And every single one of us were far from you. In no way in our strength could we ever approach a holy God if it weren't for the good news of Jesus coming to die in my place. So we thank you for that good news today. And I pray as we sing this song in celebration of you coming, Jesus, that there would be a joy in our hearts. And I pray for anyone here today who has not received you, Jesus. You tell us that anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be forgiven. So Lord, I pray for anyone here today that's not made that step, that they would come near, that that God, you're drawing them, that they're not here by accident. Thank you for changing our lives. 
We couldn't do it without you. So we're so thankful for Jesus and what he's done for us. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.